Well, hello everybody. Uh, here we are, online, virtual church. We all hoped that we would never get back here, but here we are, just based on some uh, some illnesses within some of our staff and volunteers and general church family, whether it be COVID, you know, close contacts or the flu or the cold. We just want to be safe and kind of try to keep the church uh, a little bit healthy going forward in the new year. And so we decide for the next two weeks, we're going to have church online. We're going to kind of be virtual only. But luckily, uh, the worship that God deserves and the word that we're going to be digging into, those are not things uh, that have to be in person. We can continue to dig into God's word together online. So we thank God for technology and uh, for being able to serve one another and serve the Lord in this way. We are in week three of a series called Space Invaders, uh, which I think is a pretty fun name. Uh, we're kind of looking at different ways that we can invade the spaces of people in our lives with the gospel. Uh, we believe that the gospel of Jesus is the most important good news, and that's what gospel means, good news. It's the most important news that people who don't know Christ need to know. It, it's, it's literally a life-changing experience. And so we want to look at the different areas that we need to bring the gospel of Jesus, whether it's our age category, our stage of life, every moment of our lives, or the mission that he's given us. And today we're going to talk about location. You need to be invading the spaces of people in your life, no matter your location. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, I want to tell you a pretty cool story. This happened a few weeks ago. If you follow the NHL at all, you're probably maybe a little bit familiar with this story. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, uh, somebody was... Um, at a home game for the Seattle Kraken, which is the new NHL team, and the Vancouver Canucks were in town. And so there is this lady who happened to be a med student sitting behind the Vancouver bench in Seattle. She was a Kraken fan, but she was sitting behind the opposition bench. And usually when you sit behind the opposing bench, you like do your best to, to heckle the opposing team. I mean, they're in your team's space. They're in your location. They're, they're enemies and they're in enemy territory, right? So if you ha are lucky enough to have uh, the seats behind either of the benches, let alone the opposition bench, you're probably doing well for yourself. But this girl named Nadia, she was at the home opener for the Seattle Kraken and they were hosting the Vancouver Canucks. And at some point during the game, Nadia uh, happened to notice something on one of the trainer's necks. And so one of the trainers who happened to be on the bench with the Canucks, uh, she noticed that there was something odd on his neck. And so she got as close as she could with the glass in front of her, and she kind of began to inspect it. And she, uh, she ended up banging on the, uh, the glass to try to get the attention of the trainer. And of course, when you're, uh, uh, when you're not in your home arena and you're in the visitor's bench, you do your best to ignore all of the noise around you because the people behind you are typically heckling you or trying to get your attention or throw you off your game. And so for a little while, uh, this trainer named Brian Red Hamilton, 
Uh, He was doing his best to ignore this woman who kept banging on the glass behind him. And eventually he got, probably got so annoyed, so fed up with all the noise that he turned around to see what all the commotion was about. And so he turned around and saw the woman uh, put her phone up against the glass and she had written a note and this is what it said. It says, the mole on your neck is probably cancerous. Please go see a doctor. Which is a pretty like, weird statement to put on your phone to, to show to a, a complete stranger. So to make a long story short, uh, that probably bugged the trainer enough to actually go to the doctor the next day. And indeed, it was melanoma. It was a cancerous mole, and the doctor had it removed as soon as possible. And so uh, a, f- a week or two later, uh, it happened that uh, Seattle and uh, Vancouver were playing each other again. And uh, when this happened, uh, they actually get to meet for the first time, which is super cool. And he, uh, Red was just basically thanking her. You, you know, you saved my life. You told me about this, this cancer that was growing on my neck. I don't know you. You're a complete stranger. I didn't know whether I should trust you or not. Yet he did. And she had this incredible information that probably ended up saving his life or at least extending it. So that's a pretty cool story. Uh, the Seattle and... Vancouver, both organizations got together and actually gave her a $10,000 scholarship towards her schooling, which I think is awesome. But there's something unique about this story because Nadia had information, very important information that she felt she needed to share uh, regardless of who was in the bench ahead of her. Even though the team that she was cheering against was in front of her. She felt like she had important information that needed to be shared. And so I kind of think of that and I think we have this important information that people need to know, that people need to hear. We have the gospel of Jesus, really the most important message in all of human history. We have this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have this written on your heart. You may have a different story than most of us. We probably all have different salvation stories, but we still have this salvation message, the most important news in all of human history. We have this information that needs to be shared. Yet some of us uh, come up against obstacles of, of all sorts, and make it hard for us to share this information in our location, where we're at, where we are in life, who we're spending our most of our time with. We have this incredible information that we need to share. And some of us just get stuck not knowing how to share it, when to share it, who to share it with. And yet, oh, we just need to recognize that the gospel of Jesus is so much more important than our own comfort zones. We have this message that we have to share with everybody in our locations, in our areas of influence, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhood, in our communities, wherever we are, we need to be able to share this message with the people that we come in contact with. And so many of us think, well, I can't do that until I know a little bit more Bible. Or some of us say, you know, I'll have more resources later to do that. Somebody else will share Jesus with this person. You know, I'll let my church do it. I'll just simply invite this person and, you know, I'll let the staff take care of introducing them to Jesus. Well, that's not exactly what the gospel message is all about. I believe that in your location, where you are now, where you are living your life, physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever, 
you are ready to share the gospel. The spaces uh, that only you can invade are, are your responsibility with the message of Christ. You, they're, they're unique to your prophetic voice, to the provision that God has given you and the mission that God has given you. And that's what I want to talk about today. And so uh, if you've got your Bible, you can open up to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in chapter 24 today, Joshua 24. And so whether you have a physical Bible or a digital one, or you want to go to Version and follow uh, the, the sermon outline there, you can do that. But I want to talk about Joshua 24. Uh, if you are at all familiar with the uh, the book of Joshua, then you might be a little bit familiar with the story of Moses. See, Joshua was like the young protege of Moses. And so we know all about Moses' story. Actually, Pastor Jason touched a little bit on it last week. Uh, he was this man who ended up leading the Israelite people into freedom, out of slavery under the Egyptian rule. He led them to the Red Sea, and of course, God opened up the Red Sea, and they, they passed through, and then it swallowed up all the Egyptians, and then Moses led the people through 40 years of wilderness journey through the desert, and all the struggles and all the things that they went through with there. All, they, all of this, they were leading, he was leading the Israelites to the promised land, the land that God had promised his people. Well, to make a long story short, Moses gets right to the, almost to the very edge of the promised land. He's about to cross over and then he dies. And so the leadership falls on the shoulders of Joshua, the man that he's been training up. And so in the book of uh, Joshua, it kind of has a few parts. The first is uh, that they actually enter the promised land. And once they get there, they rejoice and they celebrate but it's not too long that they begin to want to expand their land. And of course, they begin to have uh, battles uh, and, and fights with surrounding nations in order to expand the land. And then once they expand the land, then uh, Joshua begins to divide up all these pockets of land to the various tribes of Israel, 12 of them to be in fact. And uh, he divides up the land. And in these last two chapters of Joshua, the, the land is divided. It's all been conquered. Their enemies have been defeat, defeated through the power of God and his provision for their lives. And in these last two chapters, year, this is years later, Joshua, he's coming to the end of his own life. And chapters 23 and 24 are kind of like his final two messages for the people of Israel to carry on the legacy of the redemptive work of God. And so we're going to be looking at the first 15 verses of chapter 24 today. And so this is Joshua 24, starting at verse 1. We're just going to go through the first two verses right now. It says, Then Joshua assembled all of the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now, let's pause here for a moment. So God wants to speak to Israel. He wants to speak to his people. And of course, as he's done in the past and will continue to do, he uses people to speak to other people. In this case, he uses his servant Joshua to speak to all of the elders and the leaders and the officials, all the higher ups and all the tribes. He uses Joshua to prophetically speak to all of these people. 
And so he used, they were used to hearing Moses, right? They had heard Moses for many, many years throughout their 40 years in the desert and even before that. So now they turn their attention to Joshua because he is now is the voice of God. And so the first thing I want you to know as we look at this passage is that your location is tied to your prophetic voice. Your location is tied to your prophetic voice. Now I get it. Uh, When a lot of Christians hear the word prophecy or uh, the prophetic or prophets, some of us get a little bit squeamish. And I get it. Uh, There have been people, there have been Christians who have abused that gifting and that calling in the past. But I want to bring a little bit of clarity to this because I believe that you have a prophetic voice. Now, I don't necessarily mean that you have the gift of prophecy. So let me talk a little bit about the prophetic. I believe that there are two kinds of prophetic words. There's foretelling and there's forthtelling. Those are two different kinds of ways that we use the word prophecy. Let me explain. So foretelling is a declaration of future events as revealed by God pertaining especially usually to the kingdom of God. And this is most described as a spiritual gift that some people receive. It's a declaration of future events that the Lord reveals that pertains to the kingdom of God. So that's foretelling. And then there's foretelling. And and that is to declare a thing which can only be by divine revelation through God's word or made known the truth of God, which is designed to influence people. I believe that forthtelling, this is the responsibility of every follower of Jesus. Your prophetic voice as a follower of Jesus is to forthtell, is to go and declare the word of God, the truth of God, and your specific salvation story. So there's the foretelling, which is the, the prophecy side of things, the, the foretelling of a word that God has given you for someone else to encourage, to lift up, to to, to spur on that pertains to the kingdom of God. And then there's forthtelling, which is a prophetic word that we can give as we talk about God's word, as we we talk about our own testimony and what God has done in our life. So while foretelling prophecy is a specific gifting that some people have, forthtelling prophecy, our prophetic voice, That is a gifting that God gives all of us. And so here, I believe that's what Joshua has. He has this this, this word to go forth to people. And I believe that you have a prophetic voice as well. And your location, where you are in life right now, physically and emotionally and spiritually, this can be used for your prophetic voice. Your prophetic voice is your responsibility. It's the call of Jesus in your life to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching these new disciples to obey God's commandments. That is your responsibility. That is your prophetic voice. But the thing is, the people trusted Joshua. That They knew his story. He was there with them through the Red Sea. He was there through the 40 years in the wilderness. And he was there as he took them into the promised land. And he was there through all these battles in order to expand that land. He was there. The people knew him. The people trusted him. But here's the thing. 
is that people in your life, in your areas of influence, they need your story. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear God's redemptive story in your life, in your words. They need to hear your testimony, your salvation story in your own words. That is your prophetic voice. It's your story. I can't tell your story for you. <coughs> I can't speak into the life of your neighbor. I can't always speak into the life of your coworker. I can't speak into the life of your classmate or your spouse. That is your prophetic voice, your responsibility to do because your location is tied to your prophetic voice. You can do those things. Your location is tied to your prophetic voice. That's the first thing I want you to know. And then let's move on to verse 2 to 13. Now, this is a kind of a long discourse of Joshua giving some examples of people and places that God has worked in. And so I don't want to read it all, but I want to give you the highlights, okay? So stay with me. So verse 2 and 3, uh, it talks about how God took Abraham from the Euphrates River and gave him many descendants. Verse 4 talks about how, how there was Isaac. And Isaac had sons, Jacob and Esau, and he gave Esau the hill country of Seir. And Jacob ended up in Egypt with his family. And he talks about Moses and Aaron in verses 5 and 6. He says, I freed the Israelites from Egypt. I took them to the Red Sea and I defeated the Egyptians. Verse 7, he says, I guided you through the wilderness and provided for you. Verse 8, he says, I brought you to the land east of the Jordan. The Amorites battled against you, but I gave you power over them. Verse 9 and 10, he says, I protected you from the king of Moab. So here, using Josh's, uh, Joshua's, we can call him Josh, it's kind of like a nickname. Using his voice, God reminds the people of how far he's brought them, how he's provided for them, what he's done, and what he's done on their behalf. And then, after listing all of these things, all these locations, all these people, all these miracles, all these ways that God has worked, he says this in verse 11 to 13. He says, Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as also did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the, the Hivites, Hivites, however you say it, the Jebusites, but I gave them all into your hands. I sent the hornet, which is a strange Hebrew word for a terror. I sent the terror ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings. And then he says this, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities that you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olives groves that you did not plant. So your location is tied to your provision. Your location, where you're at in life, physically, spiritually, whatever, is tied to how God has provided for you. Up until this point, the way that he's blessed you, the way that he has saved you, what he has taught you, the things that he is growing inside your heart, those are all ways that God has provided you to prepare the message that you give the people in your location. Your location it's tied to your provision. God is saying, look, you didn't do all this. I did. Like I helped you with this. And in some cases, I, I provided you with all of this. I put you where you are. So take advantage of it. God has put you, you in a specific place. 
in a specific point in time so that you would be able to minister to the people that are in your areas of influence, that are at your workplace or at your school or in your neighborhood or in your community, on your son's hockey team or your, do- your daughter's dance recital. God has provided you with everything you need to give the most important news that history has ever heard. He's provided us with everything that we need, with every word we need to minister and every way to be able to serve those around us. Those are the ways in which we bring the gospel message to the people around us. And so Joshua looks back. He says, I trust God because of all these things that that he's done for me. I can look back and trust God because of the ways that he has provided for me and and the things that I have in my life now that have prepared me for this moment in this place today. It's not the tools and the resources and the knowledge and the experience that I have. Those aren't the things I'm going to trust in and able to, to work and move and share the gospel message. It's I trust what God has already provided me with. Your location is tied to your provision. And men, many of us take this similar mentality, right? If I only knew more Bible, if I, if I wasn't so anxious, um, if I wasn't so nervous to speak to people, if only they would listen to me. So we have all these excuses that keep us from sharing the gospel message in our locations. But God has provided you with a unique prophetic voice to share that message. He has provided you. He has given you a story. He has given you a message. He has given you specific words to use in your own vocabulary. I can't tell your story for you, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. God has provided us everything we need to serve and love those around us in the spaces that we're in. Your location is tied to your provision. And finally, we get to the last words of Joshua's address in chapter 24, in verses 14 and 15. And so in light of what we've read and what we've heard, Joshua reminds the people that they can't have it both ways, that they can't both serve the the place that God has them and our own desires and our own wants and our own needs. We can't have them both. We can't serve God and what we want to do and where we want to go and who we want to be and how we want to do it. We can't do both of those things. This is what he says in 24, starting at verse 14. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living now. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You need to share the gospel now. You need to serve where God has planted you now. And that's because your location is your mission. We know what the mission is, right? To go and to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach all to obey his commands. We know what the mission is, but where? How? Well, you have the where. You have the how. It's in your location. It's where you are now, not where you want to be, not when you feel like you're prepared to do so. It's right here 
and right now to share the gospel message. Your location is your mission. Joshua was saying, look, we've seen a lot of things. We've, we've been a lot of places. We've had lots of struggles and we've seen lots of opposition. God has been faithful in all of those things. In every location that we found ourselves, God has been faithful. He's always proven himself. So start small, right? Start in your closest spaces. Start with your closest relationships. That's why he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's actually starting inward and making his way outward. It starts with your family, where you're living. Start, that is where your mission starts. It has to start small in order to grow. It's how the church multiplies, right? It starts small and goes this way. It goes outward. Josh is saying, as for me and my house, we are going to choose to serve the Lord. Not my own methods, not my own experiences, not my own resources and my own tools, but what the voice, the prophetic voice that God has given me and the way that he has provided for me. Your house doesn't necessarily refer to the building that you're in, but with the people that you're sharing life with. For me, it's being able to serve and love my wife and be able to share the gospel message with her and for us to do that together as a couple to our children and from our, our children outwards into our different areas of influence. It's our responsibility. And so your house doesn't just refer to where you sleep. It refers to who you're doing life with. It starts small. You, you're a space invader in your own home. It starts with your spouse and your, or your kids or your parents or your siblings or maybe even your BFF. Right? Serve and love your closest relationships. Make a declaration that you and your house, where you are and who you are living with, are going to make it your mission to serve and love the people in your areas of influence, in your workplace, in your classroom, the the person in the cubicle next to you, the person in the locker next to you, your neighbor down the road, your neighbor right next door, or your community, whatever it is. Right? We, we want to be able to move into smaller places and share the gospel and so that it can grow outwards. It says, choose for yourselves this day who you serve, whether the gods of your ancestors that, that, that serve beyond the Euphrates of the God of the Amorites, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can choose to serve Jesus or you can choose to serve your own desires, your own plans for your life, but you can't do both. And you can't do it all. It's not how it works. There's about 22,000 people in Brockville, probably a little bit more. And I'm going to make a guess and say there's probably about 20,000 people in this city who don't know Jesus. Let me let you in on a little secret. I can't minister to 20,000 people by myself. My family and I, we can't minister to 20,000 people by ourselves. The staff and the, the volunteers of this church, we can't be the ones who minister to 20,000 people in this city. We have to do it with other churches. That's why there's other churches that exist. They do it alongside with us. We're in cahoots with other churches in this city. Sea Road, we can't be the only ones who are reaching 20,000 people in this city. But it starts with you. It starts with you and your house and making a choice to serve the Lord. Your location is tied to your prophetic voice. Your location is tied to your provision. Your location is tied to your mission. The gospel of Jesus is the hope of the ages. 
And we need to be sharing that gospel truth that God, the creator of all heavens and earth and the whole universe, he looked down at his creation, people, his favorite creation, and said these people can't do it themselves. And so he sent his only son to live like us, to experience life like us. And he did, in such, he did it in such a way where he lived a sinless, perfect life. And then he gave himself for us so that we would be with him in eternity. And he suffered a horrible death. But three days later, he rose again. And through the power of the church, he, he created, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he created the church. And it's now we, as part of the church, it's our job to make a declaration that we're going to serve the Lord, that we're going to use our prophetic voice, that we're going to use the provision that God has given us and the mission that he has given you to spread that gospel, that truth, that good news, that most important information in all of human history to serve others. Hope that you are encouraged by God's word today and that you can see that the gospel is the hope of the ages and that no matter where you are in life, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, there are people who need to have the good news of Christ. May you be encouraged by God's word in Joshua 24 today.